So I almost got kicked out of about three high school camps that I went to. And I'm going to tell you about that. But before I do that, I'm going to give two disclaimers. First is a quick apology to my mom and dad, who may or may not be watching online right now, but I kind of want to cover my bases. Uh, I recognize this is probably the first time you're hearing about it, and it is no accident that I'm telling you this while I live in Indiana and you live in Texas. So sorry about that. Uh, And the other is to our high school students who are going to go to big stuff in about a week and a half. I am pumped for you. It's going to be a blast. Don't you do anything I did or that I'm going to tell you guys. I recognize I'm being a complete hypocrite. Just deal with it. I'm sorry. Don't do the stuff. Okay? If you think you're going to be immature and you're going to do the stuff I talk about, just ignore me for the next five minutes. Get on TikTok. All right. So I almost got kicked out of about three high school camps that I went to. That would be my sophomore, junior, and senior year as a high school student. And it's not that I was a bad kid. I was a pretty good kid. It's just that I had pretty strict parents uh, who are watching, so I can't say anything. Um, and I really looked forward to Beach Week. See, Beach Week was the one week a year when my friends and I would be 14 to 22 hours away. Like, yeah, there was a beach. Yeah, we were at a church camp. But really, it was a week away with friends to do whatever we wanted to do. And as long as the student pastor, Justin, didn't find out, we got away with it. And so we would look forward to this week with a lot of excitement. Maybe not great. Excitement every year. So, like, I think my sophomore year was year we did a poker tournament. So we started a week-long poker tournament where people could play with Skittles or M&Ms or cash uh, until all of the Skittles and M&Ms in the hotel we were at were pretty much gone, and it was just cash, and I lost my money. Uh, that's not important. But like, we'd start like, poker tournaments and little gambling things, and then they would get bigger over time. Um, like my junior year, I think, was when we brought a water balloon launcher. So like the big ones where it takes three people to operate, so you've got like a bungee cord, a pouch, a bunch cord, and you can shoot water balloons great distances. You can also shoot them out of your hotel room at people on the balcony of other hotels or pedestrians on the beach below. I also learned that same trip that if you get caught, you can bribe interns who are paid nothing with stuffed crust pizzas from Pizza Hut delivered to their room, and they won't tell Justin, the student pastor. Uh, it was a big one. I'm still very proud of that. And then it would get bigger each year until we got something we'd call last night, best night. Because we knew that the student pastor and the interns would be exhausted and they just wanted to go home. And so if we saved the stupidest stuff we were going to do for the last night of camp, even if we were caught, they wouldn't have as much energy to be mad at us and they wouldn't send us home early because we'd just be going home the next day anyway. And so the stuff we'd pull on the last night was big. Like... Uh, We would sneak out of camp and go into the city and do stuff big. And I'm not being specific because we have high school students who are probably listening to this, and I don't want them to get any ideas. But it was like a last night, best night. Like, technically, we broke my little brother out of, like, his cabin. He joined us, like, and we just, like, left the camp entirely and went and did a lot of stupid, really fun stuff that I regret some of, but not all of. Um, Why am I telling you this? One, is it therapeutic? Maybe. Uh, Two... Because Justin, Justin was a big bad guy in all these stories. He was our student pastor. And we would have fun as long as Justin wasn't there. But if Justin was there, all the fun got sucked out of the room. We didn't like him, okay? Just to be very honest, we did not like this guy. Now, we have a very incomplete view of him. He's a great dude. He's an awesome dad. He's a great pastor. And he was doing his job. I just didn't like what his job was. But he was keeping us safe and returning us to our parents. Uh, don't worry, we have a great student pastor, he is not a buzzkill, and he will keep your kids safe and return them to you. Right? Right? Yeah? Thumbs up? Cool. Yes, he will. Now, he's awesome. Uh, but the student pastor I had 
It's not that he wasn't fun. It's that it felt like he didn't care if we had fun. Like, our view was that he wanted us to be safe, and he wanted us to be obedient, and as long as we were safe and compliant, he didn't care if we smiled. Is that an incomplete view of Justin? Sure. Am I being hard on him? Sure. Do I regret all of my choices? No. But that's not the point. Um, We viewed Justin like a buzzkill. And I think somewhere along the way, I took that view of Justin. I made it big, and then I put it on God. And I started to view God like a buzzkill. I think sometimes we, we view God like a well-meaning buzzkill. Like he's good, and he's holy, and he's perfect, and he's boring. And he just sucks the fun out of whatever we're trying to do. I'm not saying you view, you view God like this, but I know there have been times when I did. And maybe you've experienced that too. Now, it's not fun to worship a God that we view as boring. Is God boring? No. But do sometimes we take that view and stick it on him? Yeah, I have. Like, I don't, like I'll worship him because it's right. But that doesn't mean I'm happy about it. Like, I'll do it or I'll obey him because it's right. But it's, it's not fun to worship someone that we view as boring. So if we allow ourselves to view God as boring, our faith can feel kind of dry. Like, I had one of the most boring jobs in the world. Uh, my undergrad degree is accounting, and so I worked as an accountant for a little bit, specifically as a tax accountant. And so I would go and I would prepare tax returns. So like, all right, this person, do they pay this money uh, from this company? Check, there's their W-2. I'd submit it to my boss, and my boss, a guy named John, would be there, and he'd be going, check, check. Nope, you missed this one, Read check. And then he'd submit them to the IRS, which is, like, super exciting. Uh, Sometimes when we view God as boring, we can view our faith like that. Did I read my Bible this week? Check. Today? Check. Did I not say a bad word when I stubbed my toe? Nope, missed that one. Read. Did I? And we, we can view our faith like a checklist. Check. Check. Missed that one. That's boring. That's boring to talk about. That's boring to live like that. There's got to be more. So I don't believe... The God is a well-meaning buzzkill. He's not a buzzkill with the best of intentions. He's something so much better. And he tells us this in John 10.10. So Jesus is speaking. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. The reality is there is somebody that wants to rip you off. It's just not God. I believe Satan is very real and very much wants to rip us off from all that is good in life. Most of all, a relationship with God. But Jesus goes on. He says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Maybe a different translation is life and life to the fullest or life abundantly. And Reed's translation, and it's rough here, but Jesus brings the good life. Jesus brings the good life. But what is that? And I think when we use the phrase the good life, that can mean different things to different people. One of my friends was in Puerto Rico recently. I was watching his Instagram, and it's just blue skies, blue seas, sandy beaches, beach chairs, and he's just he's living his best life. And uh, I got jealous. So I wanted to make it feel a little bit more like that today. So in the next few minutes, we're going to switch things up a little bit. I'm going to grab a couple of people. I talked to them ahead of time just a little bit. So Amberly and then Abby, are you here? I think I was talking with Abby earlier. Can you throw your hand up somewhere? Abby, all right, cool. Hey, y'all come on to the stage right now, all right? So y'all are going to come up, and you guys are going to come up those stairs there. Some of you are wearing your lace. That's fantastic. And some of you aren't. And I'm going to publicly shame you right now, all right? So go ahead, put the lace on, all right? 
We will call you out. Look at, look at that. They're both already wearing their lace. That's fantastic. All right, come on. Put the lace on. Like, I will, stare you. I will call you out by name if I can see you. You in the red shirt. Come on. I don't know your name. All right, put the lace on. Uh, here's what y'all are going to do. There's actually some beach balls right over there. They're right behind that curtain. So y'all are going to go grab those beach balls. We're going to throw a timer on. I uh, just grab three of them. And uh, what we're going to do is for the next minute, your responsibility is to make sure that none of these beach balls hit the ground. Okay? So we're going to have a minute going. All right, perfect. Hey, go ahead and start that timer. All right, y'all are going to throw those beach balls. All right, don't let them hit the ground. Come on. I believe in y'all. Good, good enough. Good, good enough. Okay, give yourselves a round of applause. And the ushers who are fantastic are going to grab those beach balls because if they keep those beach balls, you guys aren't going to pay attention to me. So we got a couple of friends up here. I really appreciate you even wearing your lays when you came up here. That's fantastic. You tried to run away. Shame on you. But whatever, whatever. You're not called out in front of your friends. Uh, sometimes when I picture the good life, I kind of picture this. Like island, people who care about, hanging out together, maybe drinking a tropical smoothie. Um, I am not currently <clears throat> sponsored by Tropical Smoothie, but I can be bought. Uh, I love strawberry banana smoothies. Y'all are really close to here. If you want to sponsor me, uh, link in bio. We can do this. But uh, sometimes when I think about the good life, I kind of think island and retreat. Hey, I really appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. You can go back to your seats now. Hey, appreciate you guys. Give them a round of applause. They didn't know what they were doing. They just said they'd help with something. So I'm really glad. But when I picture the good life, sometimes it's the pursuit of life like this. And sometimes it's just the pursuit of a life of things that make us happy. And I think when we define the good life like that, we miss out. My friend Garrett Rayburn has a quote. He said that people who pursue power, pleasure, or pennies find pain. And when we think of the good life as us chasing after power, pleasure, or pennies, we will find pain. Sometimes ours and sometimes other people's. You can find power, but if you're finding it and it's hurting somebody else, it's not worth it. Or pleasure, pleasure's great, but eventually that disappoints. Or pennies, I want to make an inflation joke, but the price has gone up, so I can't do it anymore. Uh, man, when we pursue power, pleasure, and pennies, we find pain, ours or those we care about. So the good life is not the pursuit of any of those. And this can be a taste of it, but really the good life is more than this. The good life is a life that delights in God, God's people, and God's plans. When Jesus brings the good life, this is what I mean. He doesn't always bring this. He often doesn't. But he does bring a delight in God, a delight in God's people, and a delight in God's plans. So what's, what's that word right there? Delight. Because it's not one that I have used a lot before this year, honestly. But it's actually my word for the year. I was challenged by a friend to come up with a word for the year and pray about it and think about it and then try and find ways to use it. So last year, my word was survive. It was a rough year. At least the beginning was pretty rough. And so it was, I, just, I just want to survive. But this year, it's been delight. Can I delight? What does it mean? Delight means to enjoy and find happiness in. So the good life enjoys and finds happiness in God and God's people and in God's plans. So delight. The good life delights in God. And you can't delight in a God that you consider a buzzkill. Like, those are very opposite things here. It's hard to enjoy and find happiness if you view God as a fun sucker outer of the environment, the way I viewed my student pastor. These are, these are opposite things. But to delight in God is so much better. 
And when we delight in God, we enjoy and we find happiness in who God is. Not just what he can do for us, but even in who he is. It feels dry and boring to worship a God that we consider a buzzkill. But when we choose to delight in him, it's different. When we view God as a buzzkill, if we read our Bible, it reads like an HR textbook. Thou shalt not commit this infraction. Thou shalt not do this. Or you get a timeout. Do this. You go to hell. You do this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, What was that one? Okay, cool. No, no. But when we, when we view God as a buzzkill, it's hard to get excited about reading the Bible or praying or singing songs that are worshipful. But when we choose to delight in God, to enjoy him, to find happiness in him, reading the Bible is different. Now, sometimes we still do it out of discipline, right? Sometimes we still do it before we want to. But to delight in God, it can look different for all of us. Maybe it means you go and tomorrow morning you take a walk outside or you sit and you have your coffee on the back porch um, and you take some minutes and you listen to worship music and you just talk to God and tell him what you're thankful for. We all have stuff we can be thankful for. Well, then choose to tell God, hey, God, I'm thankful for this. I enjoy this thing that you made or this person that you made. And we can delight in God through conversation with him. Sometimes it's through prayer, through the Bible. Sometimes it's enjoying creation. And God made some awesome stuff. I don't think he had to, but he did. Like, I love kayaking. Like, I think I'm probably maybe at my happiest in life when I'm by myself kayaking with some knockoff AirPods, listening to some Brad Paisley music on a river going down. Like, I don't know if that's when I'm the closest to God, maybe, but it's definitely one of those times where I'm so grateful for what God made. And what are the things that help you feel close to God? What are the things that you can delight in God with? Maybe it's the stuff that he made. Maybe you're an inside person and kayaking sounds horrible. Okay, cool. Maybe you can enjoy the fact that God made somebody who made air conditioning and you can binge watch a show that you love. But when you do it, can you take a second? Can you acknowledge God and say, hey, God, you were creative and how you made people that could make things like this. Hey, God, I I worship you. Thanks for what you did. Thanks for what you made. Maybe it's even the food you eat. Like, I genuinely love food from other cultures. Like, I learned to cook with people from all around the world. And so, I, I feel closer to God when I tried food that I've never tried before. Or even when I'm hanging out with people that live in a part of the world that I've never seen before. But what are the things that help you delight in God? Enjoy those. The good life delights in God. And did you know that God delights in you? I don't know that I really knew this growing up. And but the good life delights in God, and God delights in you. Psalm 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. And the godly, sometimes that's me, sometimes it's not. Sometimes that's you, sometimes that's not. But when we chase after God, he delights in our lives. He enjoys and finds happiness in us. That's awesome. Man, delight in God. And then the good life, it also delights in God's people. On our own, we naturally drift towards isolation. But the good life is better than that. The good life is enjoyed with other people. Good life delights in God's people. And I'm tempted, just because I'm sadistic like this, to make everybody stand up and introduce themselves, but don't worry, we're not going to do that. Uh, But the good life does delight in the people that are in this room and that are watching online and the people you're going to interact with this week. So for you, maybe to enjoy the good life is to build a new relationship. 
Maybe it's just starting a friendship with somebody across the room. And afterwards, you walk up to them like, hey, I don't want to do this, but Reed made me. My name's Jake, and no, I don't work at State Farm. Like, I don't know. Um, But the good life delights in God's people. Sometimes that's building new relationships. Sometimes that's deepening existing ones. Maybe that's taking a friendship and then taking it to a deeper, more intentional level. But when we're chasing after the good life, it means we're choosing to delight in people rather than just tolerate them. Um, I love people. I'm an extrovert. I'm excited to talk to people most of the time. And this is still convicting for me. Because there are times when I'm sitting at my desk and the door opens and somebody walks into the offices and I view them as an interruption. Like I'm working on this. And the good life means I don't get to do that. And the good life means we choose to love people. And if God delights in people and we're supposed to delight in those people, it means we do more than tolerate them. These are people to be pursued and loved and engaged with. Delighting is better than tolerating. It's not easier, but it's better. And your life is going to be richer and more satisfying. Jesus came to bring a rich and satisfying life. Your life will be richer and more satisfying if you choose to delight in people rather than just tolerate them. The good life delights in God. The good life delights in God's plans. That's where we're going next. God's plans. But what if those aren't the plans you picked? What if the plans you want to pursue look like this? But God's plans don't look like that. Okay. Fair. See, you might be looking at this and you're saying, okay, Reed, what is God's plan for my life? I have no idea. There are a lot of different people in this room. So I have no idea what God's plan for your life is like. I've got a couple guesses. Not based on you, but based on who God is. Man, God's plan for your life probably involves drawing people to himself. He's always doing that. Taking people who are far from him and bringing them closer. Taking people who know him and then reframing how they view him. It probably involves God bringing people closer to him. Probably involves changing you and me. God loves us right where we are. And he loves us enough that he wants us to grow. But honestly, I don't know what God's plans for your life look like. But I know they're better than what we naturally come up with. Maybe you find yourself living for the one week a year that it's like this. Or like you work at Cummins and you get two weeks a year and it looks like this. And like, hey, good for you. And what about the rest of the year? Man, I don't want to spend my whole life looking forward to that. Because then I don't want to miss out on the rest of the time. You know, God's plans are bigger than living for vacation. They're bigger than living for the weekend. Like I've caught myself just looking forward to a lazy Saturday morning. And the good life is better than that. Because a good life isn't dependent on what day of the week it is or what our circumstances are. And if your circumstances are hard, make it hard to imagine the good life right now, I get it. Uh, I'm actually in pretty significant pain at this exact moment. Uh, Thursday night, I was in a fight with two frozen hamburger patties. And I lost. I was trying to separate them with a knife, which was a really dumb decision. And I separated them, and I uh, stabbed myself, like, straight into the hand. My white kitchen became a white and red kitchen. Looked like a CSI situation in there. And I drove myself to the emergency room. And, uh, like, it's my fault. I was an idiot. It's nobody else's fault. But um, I'm in a decent amount of pain at the moment. Uh, and I was in a lot more yesterday and the day before. And even when I was in the ER, we had a chance just to talk with, like, I was talking with Lydia and with Noel, who were a couple of nurses there. We got to talk about God and faith and what their plans for the weekend are, and we had a blast. Like, the good life is not dependent on circumstances. 
Because if it's more about God than it's about what's going on in your life, then it can always be good. If you find yourself in place of pain, it's Memorial Day weekend. Maybe you're remembering somebody's sacrifice. Maybe you're in the middle of crippling depression and tropical sunshine is not going to happen. Okay. The good life is bigger and better than that. It's also better than any fantasy we can create in our minds. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, I was in Arizona, and I was miserable. Like, I hated my life. I hated my job. I hated most aspects of every situation I was in. And so I created this fantasy where I would leave Arizona, I would quit being a pastor, and I would go and I'd be a salesman in Texas. I'd go back to Dallas-Fort Worth. I'd make tons of money. I don't know what I was selling in this fantasy. Maybe real estate, maybe fidget spinners. It doesn't matter. I was the best salesman at it. And I got to create a whole new life. And the good life is better than that. Like, the life I have now is better than that. But even if it wasn't, man, the good life is better than any fantasy you can create. I don't know what that fantasy is for you. Maybe it's escapism, like mine was. Or maybe it's something that's good. Like it's the perfect family, or the perfect relationship, or fill in the blank. I bet you have got a great fantasy. Good for you. The good life's better than that. It may not look like it, but it's better. I promise. God is awesome and creative. And so the good life that Jesus brings, whatever God's plans are, are better than the fantasies that we create. So the good life is a life that delights in God, it delights in God's people, and it delights in God's plans. But what do we do with it? We enjoy it. And that's what I want for us today, is just to enjoy the good life that Jesus brings. My hope is that we had moments today where we all smiled, even if it's silly and it's wearing lays like this that are cheap and slightly itchy that I'm realizing right now, uh, but that we would enjoy the good life that Jesus brings. Now, we all have a past and we all have a next step. And so I don't know what your next step is, but I'm going to throw a couple darts at the dartboard here. Maybe it's reframing how you view God. Maybe you were like me, and you grew up viewing God kind of as a buzzkill. And maybe it's just choosing to view God as someone to delight in. Maybe it's saying the word delight out loud because it feels like such a foreign concept to your life. Maybe it's choosing to delight in God tomorrow morning, like we were talking about earlier, taking some coffee and doing a quiet time outside or just listening to some worship music and listening to the truth of those words and saying, yeah, God, I delight in you. Or God, help me delight in you. Maybe it's starting a new relationship, a new friendship with somebody who's in this room or in the comments online. Maybe somebody that God kind of brings to mind right now. Maybe it's just starting something. Maybe it's deepening a relationship that exists. Maybe it's, it's buckling down on a marriage or a friendship that's there, but it's hurt. Or maybe it's choosing up to call somebody and saying, hey, man, it's been a few months since we talked. How are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? And maybe it's choosing to delight in God's people. Maybe that's a new relationship, or maybe that's deepening an existing one. Maybe it's just delighting in God's plans, even the ones you don't understand yet. That's awesome. I have no clue what God will do. But if you say, God, I want to delight in your plans today, I bet he gives you a way to do it. But there's one next step that we all get to take together. In a minute, we're going to worship through song. And so my hope is that we get to take this time and choose to delight in God, saying, God, we want to enjoy you, who you are, and this chance to sing together to worship you. Uh, My hope is that at least five to ten people in this room break a sweat when we're worshiping through song. And if you think that's gross, fine. It doesn't have to be you. Five or ten other people. 
but that we have a good time and we just worship God saying, God, you are worthy of our praise and our worship and our obedience and our joy and our delight. So let's pray and then let's sing together. God, we delight in you. And I'm saying that partly because it's true and partly because we want it to be true. Would you help us to delight in you, to enjoy you, to find happiness in you and in each other right now, and this chance to sing words that are true? God, take our hearts and make them more like yours. Take what we do with our bodies and our minds and make them more like you, even down to joy. Help us to enjoy the day that you've given us right now and this chance to sing and worship together. We love you and we trust you. Amen.